0: All right. Amen. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? All right. Good. Good. My name's Nick. One of the pastors here, excited to open God's Word. We're going to be in Colossians 3. How many of you are excited to open up God's Word today and look at that? Okay. Yes, that's good. Uh, So we're going to be in Colossians 3. So let me uh, read this with you. If you um, don't have a Bible with you, you can follow along. If you do, go ahead and open it up because we're going to be hopefully bouncing back to it and looking at it uh, several times. Thanks, man. So Colossians 3 and verse 1. So since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God." And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. All right, so as we dig into this text, uh, I have this, this, this picture, this image, this story uh, from about six years ago that I, that I want to show you to help kind of illustrate and kick this off. So how many of you have ever worn one of these before? It's called a VR headset, stands for virtual reality. Several of you, okay. Um, nowadays, it's becoming more common for people to own these and actually have them in their homes. So maybe, maybe you have one, or you have a nephew that has one, you know, whatever the case is. Um, I, I don't have one, but uh, about six years ago, before, it was, before you really saw them out and about in stores, I guess you could order them, I don't know, but uh, I, there were, I was at the State Fair of Texas. Uh, so this was about six years ago. Uh, my kiddos were about the size of this one right here, so they were, they were, about, yay, <laughs> they were about yay high, fun times. And uh, we came across this booth, there were hundreds of booths. And we came to this one booth that was advertising these VR headsets, and surprisingly, there was no line, so we could, we could go right up the front, and they asked for free, you know, you could try this thing on. I asked my son if he wanted to, and he's like, you first, Dad. So I said, okay, just, just a headset. And, and next to it, there was a, like a big TV screen that showed you whatever was, whatever was on the screen in front of your eyes was on that TV screen, and it looked like this. It was a, it was a roller coaster. So those of you who raised your hand, I think this is a common, a common one to do on the headset thing. How many of you have done a roller coaster with the headset? Okay, so, so several not, not everybody that raised their hand, but several of you. <coughs> so it was a roller coaster. And I thought, you know, it's, it's basically a TV screen that's just real close to my face. I mean, it won't, really, it won't really affect me. By the way, those of you who did it, did you like it or not? Eh, okay, yeah. I asked somebody else and they said, no, I did not like it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm with you. I, I was more this as opposed to maybe. So I put the thing on and I was, I was pretty blown away with it. It, begins to, it began to ascend up, uh, up the roller coaster. Nobody buckled me in, by the way. There were no safety precautions taken like at Hershey Park, right? There were no people walking up and down, none of this. Uh, we started to ascend and it was pretty cool. You can look around and I guess there's there's like gadgets in there that can, those of you who are scientific are like, oh my goodness, this guy sounds like a caveman. But I guess somehow we could measure if you were looking around, there's bubbles or something, I don't know. So I was able to look around and it kind of pans the area with you. Look up, see the birds, you can look down. It was, it was really cool um, until I got to the top and then it became less cool. <laughs> I began to get nauseated because it rapidly went downhill and it was much more intense than I, than I anticipated It being, you know, I've done video games and stuff, so I thought it'd be like that, but this was this was not this was a this was a full body experience it felt like. And I I wasn't it wasn't Disneyland. I wasn't in a chair that moved around or squirted water at me. You know, at Disney they do these kind of things. But this was just a plain plastic chair on the asphalt in the state fair in some little tent looking booth thing. And I felt like I was on a roller coaster. I mean, I was grabbing the seat. If I didn't grab the seat, I would have fallen over. Someone in another service said, yeah, I tried one standing up, and that was a bad idea. Yeah, that's a bad idea. So, so I, I, was, I was sitting down. I'm grabbing the seat, and I'm actually uh, unintentionally, I'm just, I'm just I'm, I'm leaning with the, the roller coaster, uh, grabbing tightly, and I'm, I'm beginning to moan and, uh, you know, as, as if I'm on this roller coaster. And, and uh, at one point, I just I closed my eyes. Whew, this is not real, you know. I had to kind of tell myself, "This is not real." Um, it became real again when I opened my eyes. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't finish. I had to, I had to take the headset off and just kind of breathe for a second. I was, I was getting a little overwhelmed by it. I turned to my son and said, "Hey, you want to try it?" "No, Dad, I'm good." Because I'm <laughs> he, he had just, he had watched me. It's on the TV screen. It's not too bad, but he had, he had watched me. "No, I'm good, Dad," which was probably a good idea for my little four-year-old or, or whatever. Um, watching that. But it was, it was pretty intense. So what, what I think would have been cool is if I could have been one of the people that was meandering around the park holding my deep fried fatty junk whatever food, my corn dog or deep fried Oreos or they, they did deep fried Coke and I don't know how you even did that, but, but they had deep fried things. And I, I would have loved to have been one of those people walking around and see somebody, cause I never got to see anybody else do it, sitting in a chair acting as though they were in a roller coaster. Because it must be weird. You, you're, you're in, you're at the state fair you're on solid ground. There's, there's noise around you. There's people eating. There's, I mean, it's, you're, you're here on solid ground, but it's like your body is somewhere else in, in a world that doesn't really exist, in some kind of virtual world. I, I mean, all of us, I think, have experienced this. Like, maybe you've heard somebody walking up behind you talking, and you think they're talking to you, and you turn to say, what? And they go, oh, I'm Kind of, kind of demeaning, oh, okay, sorry, I'm interrupting your conversation that doesn't really exist right here, but it's, you know, their, their attention is, is somewhere else. It's on whoever they're talking with, their focus, their attention, their, their, their energy, if you want to say that, they're, all of them is, is focused and centered in some other room with some other person in some other conversation, and you can hear them, you can see them, but it's as if they're in a different place, or, or maybe you've been watching a, a football game with somebody, and you're trying to talk to them, and pass them the chips, and they're just, yeah, you know, because they're, 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 they're in the living room in Pennsylvania with you, but they're actually in Tampa Bay, or you know, wherever, wherever the game is going on, that's like, they're on that field, they, they, are, they are right there, or, or maybe, maybe you've <coughs> even caught yourself in a conversation before, and you're nodding along, and then you start to think, oh shoot, I haven't been listening, <laughs> and you start to kind of, so somebody identifies, and you're, I'm trying to pick up on pieces so I can act like I haven't, you ever been there, like, you're, you're, you're right here, but you actually, your mind is, it, your, your heart is somewhere else, your, your, your brain, your thinking is actually somewhere else, it reminds me of something my wife said to me the other day, she said, Nick, you're not even listening to what I'm saying, and I thought that was a weird way to start a conversation, yeah, yeah. You, ever, you ever been there, Dan, you ever been there before, Okay. I might get some dating people, married people, in trouble later today, but because uh, yeah, because you're here, you're you're present, you're 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 at the fair or whatever it is, but but your mind is 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 somewhere else. See, that's essentially what this text is telling us: that yes, uh, we're humans; we we are here on this planet, in this body, surrounded by these people, doing this work or, or whatever it is, but the intention once you become a Christian, is that you live as though you're part of some other world, as though you were a citizen of some other country. Yes, you're right here, but it's like the real you, the place where your passion, your, your purpose, your, your drive, your, your striving, what you seek for, where your heart is focused, it's, it's not here. You're, you're, you're not like the rest of the people around here. It's as if you're, you're here, but you're in a different world at the same time. That's what this text is getting at and what we'll be talking about um, this morning, So let's look at this text again. And then I want to show you kind of a simple outline, a thought progression of what's going on. And then we'll jump in. Sound good? So let's look at Colossians 3, <coughs> 1 through 4 again. Sorry, I had a cold like three weeks ago and it's, the cough's lingering. So uh, don't worry about me. Just put up with my heaves every now and then. Colossians 3, 1. <coughs> Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. So look up at the screen here. I just want to show you kind of a progression of thought. And if you you don't need to take too many notes. This this will be on hfcinfo.com if you want to look at it again. But here's kind of the progression of thought that he's given us. So first off, we do know this, that Jesus literally died and resurrected and ascended up into heaven, you know, roughly 2,000 years ago. We just celebrated Easter two weeks ago, and now we're unpacking the repercussions of, of the resurrection and what that means for us. So he literally died and resurrected and ascended into heaven. And this is the heart of what we call the gospel. The word gospel literally means good news. This is, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the heart of it, the, the fact that he lived, died, buried, and resurrected. And then at the end of verse 1 and end of verse 2, he gets into this, that you and I, if we have chosen to follow him, if we have become Christians, then we also go through this gospel. We don't literally die and resurrect right now, but in some real sense, in a metaphorical sense, in a figurative sense, we are in the process of dying to ourself, we're dying to our sin. This world is becoming more dead to me. I'm I'm dying to myself, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live because I'm being resurrected into a new life, I'm being given new life. I'm living as though I'm a new creation. And I'm also ascended up into heaven. Yes, I'm, I'm still here, verse three, I'm still here, in a very real sense. But in another real sense but not physical sense, I'm also already ascended because I'm living as though I'm up there even though I'm down here. I'm down here but my mind is set up there. I'm down here but my heart is set on things above. That's, that's what he's trying to get at. And then in verse 4 it goes full circle. One day we will also literally die and resurrect and be with the Lord forever. That's the progression of thought. Now there's two questions that I'd like to ask and answer in today's sermon okay two questions the first one is this what does this mean what does it mean to say that we've died with Christ that we've been raised with Christ I'm pretty sure that I haven't died or resurrected this is news to me I think this would have made the evening news and Lester Holt never talked about that so in in what way have I died and, and resurrected who am I hiding from how am I hidden with Christ what does this stuff mean so question one what does this mean question two is this how do we do this once we learn what it means to be hidden in Christ, once we understand now, oh, that's what he means when he says that we've been raised with him, we're, 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 we're uh, ascended with him. I, I understand that now. So how do I actually do that? That's what we're going to look at in a second, okay? So here we go. Let's look at the first question. What does this mean? What does it mean to be raised with Christ, to be hidden in Christ? <clears throat> Well, there are several verses in the Bible. Last week we looked at one that I want to refresh for us that tells us that if we follow Jesus, we are participating in his death and resurrection, okay? Look at Romans 6, 4. (coughs) Therefore, we have been buried with him. That's interesting, isn't it? Jesus was buried literally, and we have, in some way, we're we're buried with him. And that we're also walking in the same way that he was given new life. He was raised from the dead and had new life. We're... we're, uh, we too may walk in a new way of life. in the light, We're with him in the likeness of his death and in the likeness of his resurrection. It, we, we participate in this in somehow. 2 Corinthians 4.10, this is really interesting. We carry the death of Jesus in our bodies. I'm carrying Jesus' death in my body. So, and then the life of Jesus is being seen in my life as well. You see, what the Scripture teaches, what the New Testament teaches is that the gospel is that Jesus literally died, buried, was resurrected, and ascended up into heaven. And when we accept him as our Savior, when we become Christians, we actually go through that same process. Not literally yet, however, we, we go through the process of dying and being buried, and then being resurrected, and then ascending up into heaven with him. In, in a figurative sense, we are dying to our sin. And and crucifying our flesh, dying to our and to our old way of thinking, our old passions, all, all that stuff. We we are dying to ourselves. We have been raised to we, we have a new life. We're a new creation. I mean not totally new, but but it's it's in that process of becoming new and, and we're living as though we're already ascended up into heaven. Alright? Here, maybe I can illustrate it this way. <clears throat> so let's just say I'll try to stay where the camera can see me uh, for you guys online. So let's just say on this side of the stage, this this is the old Nick, right? This is the Nick before Jesus. This is BJ. BJ Nick. Before Jesus Nick. Before uh, making a decision to become a Christian and follow Jesus. I'm controlled by sin. I'm obsessed with the things of this world and obtaining and striving for the things of this world. I'm governed by the fear of man. I have tunnel vision. Right here on this planet earth, this is all I think about, all I care about. This is the old Nick before becoming a Christian. Now, the Bible also describes that one day, I will be literally ascended into heaven and be with Jesus. And at this stage, I will no longer be controlled by my sins, by my habits, by my hangups. I'll never, no longer be governed by the fear of man, but I'll live in the total fear of God. I will be guided fully. Right now, I can, I can experience this a little bit, but I'll be fully guided by the Holy Spirit the values that Jesus showed while he was on earth, I'll be able to fully live those out. I'll, everything that I think, say, or do will be guided by what is most pleasing to my heavenly father. So I will live in this way. And, and right now, I'm in a process of moving in this direction. In other words, a slice of heaven is now supposed to be on earth and represented by me. I am representing while I'm still here on planet earth. I am representing what I will be in the kingdom of heaven. In fact, this is what he says. Uh, Jesus says, Jesus says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. I am expected to be living out the values of heaven even while I am still here on earth. And the text here, uh, verse 2 and 3, he, said he, he does this little play on words here where he talks about the things below and the things above. The things on earth and the things of heaven. And there's, there's a dissection here. And while I'm on earth, I'm to be living out the values of heaven and the things that would be happening, and the things that I would be doing if I was in heaven, all right? Now with all this talk about heaven and hell, I thought it might be helpful to do a quick crash course on, on heaven, since the text brings it up, and I also want to talk about a couple of misconceptions that are heard about heaven, okay? I will talk slow, and you listen fast, okay? So here we go. So uh, let's first talk about the intermediate state, Okay, so right now, the Scripture refers to what we are going through right now as the present evil age. This is how this is what Jesus calls the age that we're in, the present evil age. One day we'll be in the age to come, but in between, when we die, <coughs> we enter into what uh, scholars call the intermediate state. And there's two different places we can go after that. When I die, my body will remain here. My family and friends will probably gather, to do some kind of memorial service. Maybe there will be an open cast. My body will be here, but the immaterial part of me, my soul, my spirit, will be in one of these two places. There is heaven and there is hell. Now, Scripture uses different words to describe these. Jesus talks about being in paradise with him. There's this one text that calls heaven the the bosom of Abraham, so we won't get into all that. There's, There's all different terms for it, and there's other terms for hell as well, like Hades and so on and so forth, but there's basically two different places that the immaterial part of you will go, even though your body is here, after you die, to either heaven or to hell, and your spirit is disembodied at that point. You do not have a body. But then the Bible also tells us That one day Jesus will come back a second time. He will come back again. Christmas number two, right? Advent number two. Jesus will come back again. All the dead will be raised. Our bodies that are still here will be resurrected, rejoined with our body and spirit, and made new, made like new. And we will stand before Jesus to give an account of our life and what we did while we were on this planet Earth. And after giving an account of our life, we will be sent to one of two places in the age to come. All right, here's the two names for them. One is, uh, one is the new heavens and the new earth, and the other is called the lake of fire or Gehenna. So after we stand before Jesus, then we would be sent to our eternal destination, the final resting place. Heaven and hell are kind of like temporary places until we go to either the new heavens and the new earth or into the lake of fire or into Gehenna, which is more of a physical location that we will be forever and for eternity. Now, a couple of misconceptions that I want to put out. So here's, here's one misconception that I hear sometimes that, man, when I die, it's, it's all going to be new. It's going to be all new things. I'm going to get a brand new spanking body. I'm going to get a brand new home to live in. This world is going to be done. I'm going to be in a new place. God is making all new things. What's more accurate to say is what the Lord says in Revelation 21 5. Behold, he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. God is not in the business of making new things. He's in the business of making old things new again. The business of renewing and restoring and repurposing. And so actually, this planet that we are on will be our forever home, but it will be a transformed and changed and renewed world. This body that I'm in, I will have this body again, but it will be a renewed, eternal body, an incorruptible body that will be remade for me, Hopefully it resembles the 21-year-old Nick more than the 33-year-old Nick. But I will be given a new body. You will be given a, a, a new restored body as you have now. You will be the same you, the same ray. You'll be the same you but made new again. You see, this gets confused because in English we only have one word for the word new. And so we just assume, oh, everything's new. But in Greek, the, the language that the Bible was originally written in, there's actually two words for the word new. One means brand spanking new, fresh off the press, brand new. That's not the word that is used when it refers to the new heavens and the new earth. The word that's used is an old thing that has been repurposed and made like new. God is making not all new things, but all things new. And here's why I go into that. For one, it's just helpful to learn about it since we're in this text that mentions heaven and hell, but also because if we ever get stuck in this mindset that, oh, I can't wait until I'm done being me. I'm just stuck the way I am and and I can't wait to be done with this body, done with this world and I'm going to have a new body and a new world and he's going to change me then. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit wants to do a work in your life right now changing you each and every day to becoming more and more like the self that you will be when you're with him. He wants you to live this out. Thy kingdom come on earth even as it is in heaven. I'm to be living out the values of heaven right here on earth and representing what I will be in heaven even though I'm right here. So that's the first misconception. Here's the second misconception (coughs) that I hear sometimes. I just want to talk about this uh, real briefly. The second misconception is this. This talk about resurrection, raising from the dead, heaven, hell, it sounds like a fairy tale, That's the second misconception. And maybe maybe you're in here and, and maybe maybe you think that or maybe maybe some of you are watching online and you think, look, I've heard this stuff and I, I can understand how uh, you, you love to follow the teachings of Jesus, turn the other cheek, love your enemy as yourself, those kind of things. I, I, I value all that. But this talk about resurrection, being raised from the dead and, and going to, you know, these places like heaven and hell, I mean come on, we've, we've been through scientific advancements now. We've been through the Enlightenment through the Industrial Revolution. Uh, we've been through modernity and post-modernity, and now we're in whatever it is, modernity. And so, I mean, that's, I, I understand how those knuckle-dragging knee benders would actually believe this stuff. But today, people don't actually believe <laughs> that this stuff is real. I mean, it's a bit far-fetched. We know better than them back then. Um, if that is you, and that's, that's a way that you're thinking as I talk about this. First off, I just want to say thank you for listening because most people would not listen. <laughs> they would be tuned out. So thank you for listening and for taking the time uh, to, to hear me out. The second thing I want to do is I just want to push back on an assumption that we can have in our culture today, in our society. And the assumption is this, that we know so much better than people who lived 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago. Yeah, I realize how people without the microscope would believe this stuff. Yeah, Jesus rose again. Okay, I can see how they would believe that. But today, people around today are much smarter. They wouldn't fall for that kind of stuff. That is not true. People who lived 2,000 years ago were intelligent and wise, just like you and I in this room. And if you told, if I went back 2,000 years and told somebody that a guy was going to die and rise from the dead, they would tell me, People in the future are dumb. <laughs> that doesn't happen, right? <laughs> I can't believe this is where our future's is going, that people believe this stuff. People were just as skeptical 2,000 years ago. If you told them somebody actually rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, they were just as skeptical. But I believe there are three reasons why this gospel of Jesus Christ was believed and spread throughout the entire world. And these are the three reasons, at least, why I believe that this stuff It's true that he literally, bodily, you could take a picture of it, rose from the dead. The first one is this. We know that there were eyewitnesses to Jesus rising from the dead. I understand if there was one woman who saw an empty tomb and said, he probably went to heaven. I don't know. What do you think? And it just, yeah, I'd I'd be out too. But there were multiple eyewitnesses who at different times, at different places, saw Jesus. They verified that it was him. They spoke with him. They ate with him. They cooked with him. One person even touched the the, the holes that were in his hands from the crucifixion, and and they believed it was him. And and I'm not even sure that would be enough because this second one goes in par with it but this this religion of Jesus literally rising from the dead and there being a place of heaven and hell that he he went to and and we we can go there as well it this idea spread throughout the entire known world and the historians that I read they can't think of any other explanation besides the fact that this actually happened or these people actually believed that it happened now listen in today's world in, in our society it's okay for you to believe whatever you want to believe if you, you do you, you define your own reality. You be whoever you want to be, and I won't give you a flack for it. Even if I think you're crazy, you believe what you want. That's not how it worked in the first century Roman Empire. That didn't fly. In first century Rome, we worship the Roman gods because the Roman gods are the most powerful gods. And I know they're the most powerful gods because Rome is the most powerful And if you stop worshiping the Roman gods, they may get mad at all of us. And so if you say you're denying the Roman gods and worshiping some other god, we will torture you until you believe in our gods or until you cease to be alive. And there were many Christians in the first church, in the early church, in the first few centuries of the church that went through that torture, did not denounce Jesus. And they really believed this stuff. I don't know how to explain that. So there was the eyewitnesses. There were those, uh, the the, the church spread to the point where it even overtook Rome as the national religion. I don't know how to explain that. And then the third thing, and the Bible tells us this, is that there are countless innumerable examples of people's lives who were completely changed. They actually started doing this stuff in Romans, or sorry, in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Their lives were completely changed and transformed by the better by this gospel of Jesus Christ. And some of you are like me in this room and you would say, that's my story, that's me. And I tell you, if you wanna challenge that, you can bring me anybody you want who has been changed for the better by secular humanism, by expressive individualism. Bring, bring for every one person that you can show me who has been changed for the better by some idea or humanistic idea of this world, I can show you a thousand people who have been radically transformed transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why, I, that's why I believe that this literally happened. One more thing I want to say. If you are in here today, if you're watching online, and you're not sure that you're going to heaven when you die. And, and maybe you want to, I, I'm still a little skeptical, but I'm willing to think about this. Maybe you're feeling some kind of tug inside of your chest and you can't quite explain it. You can't quite shake it and you wish it would go away. Maybe you should leave the room for a minute. I mean, Maybe, maybe you're kind of, you're feeling the heat inside of you and you're thinking, I, maybe I should think about this more. If you're, if you're not sure if you're going to heaven when you die, I, I urge you to not suppress that feeling. But after the service, we'll have some members on the prayer team right up here come and talk to one of them. They can show you how to become a Christian, and how to go to heaven when you die, and to be with the Lord. If you're watching online, please reach out to us and email us, and one of us would love to talk to you about that. With that said, let me go back to our two questions. So here's the two questions that we're looking at today. So what does this text mean? What does this text mean? And here's what we said. Jesus literally died (coughs) and resurrected and ascended up into heaven. In the same way, this text is telling us that we are living through this gospel. We are dying to ourselves. We are living a new life in Christ, and we are living right here on earth as if we are already in heaven. The the things that we would care about in heaven, we're caring about those right here on planet earth. So that's what this means. The second question is, how do I do this? How do I live out these values? I've I've been trying to live like Jesus for a long time, but I seem to be failing a lot. I I mean, how do I actually live a resurrected life? How do I actually live as though I'm, I'm hidden in Christ? Like I'm here, but I'm my values are hidden, my, my essence is hidden somewhere else. Well, several times in Scripture it tells us to do this. Look at uh, 2 Peter 3 on the screen here. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Verse 13, picking up. Since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found, found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. Notice he doesn't say, hey, if you've, if you've become a Christian, Don't worry, one day you'll be spotless and blame. No, he says, even right now, be working on yourself to the point where you are living as if you're here, even though you're still in this present evil age. 1 Corinthians 3, on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. We kind of jumped midway into that text in 1 Corinthians. You can look it up later. But it's this metaphor that as we're living our life, every action that we take is as if we're building, some kind of building that represents our life. And one day it will be shown to see if the building, the the materials that we used were perishable and just burned away or if that building stayed strong. So that's what we are building in this life right now. Here's the best way I can explain to think about this. If there is anything that you are doing on earth right now, things you think about, things you worry about, things that you give your your time and your attention to and your passion to and, and that you're striving for, anything that you are striving for or doing here on earth, that is going to make no sense if you were standing before Jesus in heaven right now. If there's anything you're doing right now that if you were doing the same thing in heaven, people around you would think, what are you doing? Those are the kind of practices to be whittling off of your current life. Likewise, if there's anything that you would be given to, that you would care deeply about, that you would be concerned about, that you would be striving for, anything that you would be doing if you were with Jesus, seated at the right hand of God right now, and you're not doing them here on this planet. Those are the kind of things to begin to add into your life. We're intended to be hidden in Christ. It's like you're here in front of me. right? You're, you're here, right here. But it's like there's another part of you that is hidden somewhere else above. This is the kind of lifestyle that we are attaining to. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it's already being done in heaven. So how do we do this? There's, there's two ways you can do this. There's two different methods. There's two different approaches to living this kind of lifestyle. And people choose either one. So let me give you the two options. Here's option one. Try harder. That's option one, you can, you can try harder. If, if you want to, you can go home tonight and you can get out a piece of paper and write down all the things you are doing that you wish you wouldn't do. Why do I do this? And, and just write down all the things that you, want, that you think you should stop doing. And then make another column of all the things that you're not doing that you probably should be doing. Just just write down all those things. Step two is to memorize the list. And then step three is Monday, just do it. <laughs> try, you know, try it, just try harder. <clears throat> That's the first option, try harder. Warning, it won't work very long, but, but you can try that, okay? Many people have tried, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be better, I'm gonna try harder. That's the first option. The second option is not to try harder, but to train harder. You can try hard or you can train hard to live this sort of lifestyle here on earth. Let me explain what I mean. Uh, this last week, I think it was, it was Wednesday or Thursday, I, uh, I called up Jason Hunter. I don't know if you knew, how many of you know Jason? okay. He's, uh, he's actually in uh, Pittsburgh right now. I hope he's okay with me saying this, but he's in Pittsburgh right now running a marathon. And he's running a marathon because something's wrong with him. Because normally, why would you run a marathon? Good gracious. It's like, sorry, we have another marathon runner right here in front of me. Just did Boston recently. But uh, was it 20, how many miles? 26. The point two is important. It's like my daughter. How old are you? Seven and a half. You know, it's, it's, well, when, you do, when you do that much, yeah, the, the, the points matter, right? So 26, the human body is not designed in such a way that you should be able to run that far, right? I don't know why anybody would put themselves through such agonizing torture, but he's, he's running this marathon either today or yesterday. I forgot. Is it today? Okay, so, so race is today. So he's running this marathon today, and I, I was on the phone. And I said, man, I just I, I couldn't do that. That's insane. I just I could not do that. And then Jason replied and he said, Well, yeah, you could. If if you train for it, you can do that. If you train, you can do that. And what he means is if I I both of us are right, because I'm right in that I I can't do that. If I were to if I had gotten up early and driven to Pittsburgh this morning, even if I had gotten enough sleep the night before, if I had uh carved up, isn't that a thing? You carb up. Uh, if I, uh, so I don't know. He, he went through the the, the the lingo with me. There's tapering, and you know he w- really went walked through this through me last week. But um, even if I had made all the preparations, I got my MP3 player or whatever, my my earbuds. I've uh, you know whatever the cool kids are listening to these days. I've got it. I've got it. I'm ready. I got my earbuds in. My headband, I don't know, I probably look like Napoleon Dynamite by the way I'm describing this, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm ready, and I'm going to try hard, and I care about this more than anybody else in this race. I, I, I am going to try the hardest, and I could, I could try the hardest. If, if there's a way to measure tryingness, I, I, I could try the hardest, and I'd make it four miles. I, even if I wanted, even if I tried, and I really, even if I believed in myself, I'm not going to win. Because trying harder just doesn't work long-term. It works for a few minutes, right? But it doesn't work long-term. What you need to do to get ready for a marathon like that is to torture your body. I mean, to, to train. For, you, you train for months and months to get to that point. And this is the same thing. Walking in the Spirit and, and, and living a life, living with Jesus is the first part of our mission. It's, 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 you are training to get to the point where you're living like that, even though you're still down here. You're, you're, you're slowly training. And so some of you, maybe you'll say, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've read my Bible before, but I've never, I've never had like this consistent time. That, that's part of running a marathon, right? You, this consistency. You can't run once every three weeks. That's, that's me, right? <laughs> you, you're not gonna get very far. You, you have to every single day. If you, maybe you, I've never had a rhythm of every day reading my Bible, thinking about what I'm reading, and then praying that I could be the kind of person that, and, and represent the values that's in what I just read. If you've never had that, that's, this is a part of training. Or maybe you've never invited the Holy Spirit to walk you through your day and process how you did at living and, and, and walking in the Spirit. Or maybe you've never had a, a solid time of family devotions with your family or, or praying with your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Or maybe you've never, never had this regular practice of, of sharing your faith and just talking openly about your faith with other people. This, this is all part of this training that happens to make you more like the kind of person who can have your mind set somewhere else even though you're here. If you've never done this, this can be overwhelming. So I just want to give you two things, two things that you can start, two two training practices that if you haven't done this, you can start this tomorrow and you'll be a big step closer to being this kind of person that lives out this text. Number one, wake up 15, 20 minutes early. Open your Bible. If you don't know where to start, start at Psalm 1. Open to Psalm 1. Read it. Take a couple minutes to think about it, meditate on it, you know, whatever. Think about it. And then just pray that you can be that kind of person represented in Psalm 1. Tuesday, wake up a little bit early, read Psalm 2, think about it, pray about it. Just, just, tr- just start there and try that. Uh, take, this for, take this and call me in a week, right? <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Take this, call me in a week. And call me. You can call me. I'd love to talk about this with you. So try that. Here's a second practice that you can try. I think you can add to this. Take four minutes in your evening. It doesn't have to be long. Tomorrow evening or tonight, I just want you to close your eyes, sit in a quiet place, close your eyes for and maybe while you're in bed before you go to sleep. Do it quickly because you might fall asleep, right? And just close your eyes and say, Holy Spirit, guide me through my last twenty four hours. You remember VHS and cassette tapes? You guys remember those? You know, you rewind, right? Just start at the beginning, Holy Spirit guide me through my day, and, and fast forward through your day. And allow the Holy Spirit to pause wherever he wants to pause. And whatever he wants to show you. You did something wrong. You should have done this. You should have been prompted in that way. Why did I, why did I feel that way? Why did I think? Just, just whatever, whatever the Holy Spirit wants to tell you. Fast forward and he'll stop. Fast forward and he'll stop at a conversation. He'll stop at a feeling you had. He'll stop at, a, you know, he'll stop at an interaction you should have had and you didn't have. Whatever the kiss is. Just allow him. This is a, a practice that Christians have been doing for, for ages. Just take four minutes at the end of your day and evaluate your day. Try those two things and call me in a week. <laughs> I'd love to see how the training has started. And then you can add other spiritual disciplines on top of that. As I close, I want to read some lyrics from a song written by Shai Lin. So Shai Shai Lin is a a Christian rapper. I asked uh, Bob Karwowski if he would sing this song up here, and he said, you know, I, I just don't do rap. And I told him, if Ed Sheeran can do it, you can do this. Maybe you don't know Ed Sheeran. I don't know, so look him up. Little, little redhead guy. And he's, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so Shylin Shilin is not the guy I'm talking about. But he wrote this song. So I just want to read the lyrics to you. And here's, here's a picture from, they, they did like a visual representation of it. So it's about the town of mud. So here's, here's uh, the lyrics to this song by Shilin. <clears throat> Once upon a time in a distant land, far beyond the sea where there lived no man or woman. In fact, lo and behold, the oldest person there was only 12 years old. But anyway, in this town called Mudd, there lived a little girl named Penelope Judd. Now Penelope was a very sad, sad girl because she was living in a bad, bad world where other kids teased each other and acted really mean. They lied and cheated and their speech was obscene. With no grown-ups around, nobody was really wise, so every kid did what was right in their own eyes. Penelope would cry like every single day. No matter what she did, the tears would not go away. But deep in her heart, she hoped it would get better because of what a dove wrote to her in a letter. He said, Penelope, it's great news that I bring. On the mountaintop, there lives a great king. The king has a son, and being a proud father, he's going to throw a huge party in his honor. But the good part is, and I hope this gets you excited, Penelope Judd, you're officially invited. The dove told her that he was sent by the king. If she wanted to go, she had to run and grab her things. Penelope said, Okay, I'll be right back. Ran into the house and came back with her knapsack. The dove said, Penelope, the party's in a day. Stay alert, follow me, and I'll lead the way. So as he flew and Penelope walked the path, she waved goodbye to her friends and they started to laugh. They said that she was silly for following a dove just to go to some dumb party up above. Penelope and the dove continued on their way, but then she got sad because her wanted to stay. But then she thought to herself, why would I want to stay? All they do is play in the mud all day. And while they're doing that, I'm going to see the king. It made Penelope so happy that she started to sing. And then it goes into the chorus. The town of mud has many things in common with our current world right now. People are doing whatever's right in their own eyes. And if we're not careful, we can get wrapped up in whatever is is right here in this tunnel vision of our world. And... Wrapped up playing in the mud. And if that's all you know, <laughs> playing in the mud's kind of fun, right? But once you see a different world, once you set your heart somewhere else, it, it, you can't go back. It just changes everything. And we're being called to live that kind of life. Let me read our text one more time. Colossians 3. Because or since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. So, we talked about two things today. Number one, what does this mean? The gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus literally died and resurrected and then ascended up into heaven. And we, if we have chosen to follow him, we are choosing to go through this process of dying to ourselves, living a new life, and then acting as though we've already ascended into heaven, even though we're right here on earth. We're hidden with Christ in that way. How do we do this? By consistently and constantly setting and resetting our minds on things above. Don't try harder, train harder to be this kind of person. Lastly, if you're not sure if you're going to heaven or to hell when you die, if you're not sure. Or you, maybe you know that you are not a Christian. Please come and talk to me or a member of our prayer team after this message is done. If you're watching online, um, just email somebody at the church office, uh, email myself, I would love to talk to you about that further and meet with you about that. Let's pray together. Father, would you forgive us for living as though this life is all that there is and being uh, just obsessed with the things of this world Would you train our hearts and minds to be set on things above, to be set on the next life and on heaven? And would you empower us to do your will as we're on this earth, your will even as it is already being done in heaven? We pray this to you, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. (coughs) Well, with that said, as I normally say, church is not over, it's beginning because you are not being dismissed, Hershey Free, you are being sent sent to set and reset your mind on things above. You were not dismissed, but you were being sent to live life on earth as though you were already ascended into heaven and with the Lord. You were not dismissed, you are sent. Thank you.